0: Hello and welcome to today's edition of Grace to Live with Pastor Keith Crosby, lead pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us here on the broadcast today, studying God's Word. And We would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, we'll be continuing with our Decoding Jesus teaching series. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us again to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 will continue our series on the Gospel of John. And, and really what we're going to do today is camp on one verse. I know I've been covering big swaths of scripture as we've done this survey of John's Gospel, but today we're basically going to be in John 3 36. And what this is, is we've, you know, had this little mini-series within this series, Decoding Jesus, and we've spent the uh, last couple of weeks on the message of Jesus, parts one and two. This is the message of Jesus, part three, and after this we go back to what we've been doing, but this is a really critical verse, because this, is, this verse, let me just read it for you, John three thirty six. Whoever believes in the Son has life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. This is the message of Jesus in a sentence. This is the last verse in chapter 3, and it perfectly summarizes chapter 3. And I just want to walk you through some of the key elements of chapter 3 so you'll know how we got here. In John 3.3, 3, we read, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In verse 6, That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Verse 14 and 15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And then John three sixteen through 19. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light, because their works were evil. And then we jump to John three thirty-six. Whoever believes in the Son has life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Basically the message of Jesus is faith in Christ is salvation. Brings salvation. But sometimes some of us, sometimes people say, but what if my faith isn't real? What if what does it mean to have faith in Christ? What does it mean? How can I be assured of my salvation? In John 3:36 among other things deals with the assurance of salvation. People want to be sure that they're saved. I mean, After all, you'd hate to die and find out that you weren't. And so we we look at John 3.36 and we say, what does this have to do with the assurance of salvation? What is assurance of salvation? What does it mean to have assurance of salvation? What determines our assurance? Is it feelings? Is it the opinion of others? Is there a perfect prescription or some standard or some recipe? And I have to tell you that when I was a young father, and I'm an old father, but when I was a younger father and I had my little bambinas, you know, I was very much wanting to be assured of their salvation. You know, you, as parents, we want to spend eternity with our children. And, and, and this was a big deal for me. Uh, you know, there's this huge desire to know that your child knows the Lord. And there's a certain degree of anxiety or fear sometimes. And even in adults, when it comes to the, their assurance of salvation. And in John 3, particularly in verse 336, you have the punctuation mark. It's an exclamation mark that really ends John 3, and it is the message of Jesus and the gospel. And this, with this verse, I want to encourage you today that you can know that you have assurance of salvation. I want to engage you into thinking about where you stand with the Lord, particularly since it's Communion Sunday. And, and John 3.36 is that verse which really helps us to clarify all this in a single sentence. Now, it's a verse, too, that scares people sometimes, or people shy away from it because it says, you know, the one who, who puts faith in Christ has life eternal, but the one who doesn't obey will not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him, right? I mean, that, that's a scary thought, but it's a summary of the entire chapter, and you know what? You probably noticed that we did a, did a big jump. We jumped over this whole discussion between John the Baptist and one of his uh, disciples about Jesus and this but it really summarizes everything John the Baptist had to say as well and what I'd like to do today is to talk to you about the, your assurance of salvation so that you can understand what assurance is because the idea of assurance today is so confused and, and so from John three thirty six, I want us to understand four realities about the message of Jesus that, re- that relates to the assurance of salvation so that you can encourage and engage yourself and others in understanding this because today it's so often in the last 50 or 75 years the church somewhat evangelized by the culture has begun to redefine terms like christian liberty is doing anything i want to whenever i want to that's not christian liberty christian liberty is freedom from sin freedom from the besetting power of sin and and, and assurance of salvation isn't a feeling that you have it's a fact you know we think of it oh i feel saved You know, I could feel like a blonde, but that wouldn't make it so. And so what I want to do today is look at this verse and unpack and distill and share with you four realities about the assurance of salvation so that you can think rightly about it. And the first reality is this. The first reality you need to understand is that your assurance of salvation, as one who is born again, or even the assurance of salvation your child may have, is based upon facts, not feelings. I want you to rejoice in the assurance of salvation as a fact, not a feeling. And where do we see that it's a fact and not a feeling? We see it in John 3.36. It's right there. Let's call it 3.36a. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. That's a statement of fact. And the word there for believe is the word comes from the Greek verb pestuo, which means to exercise or have faith. So you could also read it, whoever faiths in the Son has eternal life. That's a fact. And so you have to ask and answer in your own mind, in your own heart. Have I put my faith in Christ? Have I believed in the only Son? Have I put my faith in Christ? Do I believe? Have I believed on the name of the Son of God? And if you have trusted Christ, if you really have trusted Christ, then you can be assured of your salvation no matter how you feel on any given day. You know, we don't always feel very spiritual. We don't always feel confident. But the, the fact is, if you've trusted Christ, you're saved. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Assurance comes from believing on the Son. That's the message of Jesus. In the executive summary, you know, John 1, 1 through 18, we talked about all these themes that we would look for. We find this same idea... In verses 12 and 13 of chapter 1. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. The word right here means power, the ability. The bottom line is, if you trusted Christ, you're his. You are a child of God. You're not born through earning your salvation, you know, the will of the flesh, or the will of man, or the efforts of man. You're not born, again, born from above because of who your mom or dad was. You're born of God. And because you're born of God, your salvation is a fact and not a feeling if you've trusted Christ. Jesus says this again and again throughout the Gospels. He says it in John's Gospel, and we see it here in John five twenty four. What does it say in John five twenty four? Truly, truly, that's where he's calling attention to a very important point. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him that sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed, but has passed, past tense, but has passed from from death to life. There's your assurance. It's a completed event. Once you have trusted Christ, your eternal home is assured. You have passed, past tense, from death into life. Assurance is a reality, is a fact for anyone who has trusted Christ for their eternal life. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Now, some people go, but wait a minute, you know, I I just don't feel it. You know, I don't want you to misunderstand anything. It doesn't mean you're not going to have good days and bad days. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have days where you're like, I sure am glad I'm a Christian. Or days where you say, man, how could I think and act that way and be a Christian? I wonder if I'm saved. There's not going to be times where you don't go wobbly. You know, those days are going to come. In fact, we see it in the Bible. You may remember the story of the man, the historical account, the account of the man whose son was demon-possessed. And the boy would throw himself into the fire and and, and grit his teeth and everything. and The demon would do that whenever anyone tried to help the boy. And he brings his son to Jesus, and he puts his faith in Christ, and and Christ is about to exorcise the demon. Actually, that's not right. Exorcism sounds like something that takes a lot of effort. Jesus was the Lord of creation. When he says out, they go out. There is no ritual. It's just a command from the God of the universe. But Jesus is about to remove the demon. And Jesus looks at the father and goes, Do you believe? And it says this in, John, in Mark 9.24. I want you to look at this. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. You see, it's not the quality of your faith. It's not the quantity of, the, of your faith that saves you or assures your salvation it's the object of the faith it's who you put your faith in it's who you trust for your salvation you know when you see little children come to Christ at young ages they're not expert theologians at that moment you know they're not talking about all the complex theological terms and things like that and they're not worrying about whether or not am I a pre-tribulation or they're not thinking that way but they have put their faith in the son of God and they're, having done so, the fact is their salvation is assured. They are eternally secure. And that's what's going on here. You may feel wobbly. You may have good days and bad days. But your assurance doesn't depend upon your feelings. It depends upon God. It doesn't depend upon your bulletproof confidence in God or your sinless perfection or how well you perform each and every moment of every single day. But it does depend upon in whom you've trusted. Have you trusted in the promises of God? Then whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. So I don't want you to suffer anxiety unnecessarily. I don't want you as a Christian who has received the greatest gift that anyone can ever receive to walk through each day of the week morbidly obsessing over, am I saved? Am I not saved? I want you to be careful. Do not underestimate the power of God to save and to keep you in his kingdom. I want you to rejoice in the assurance of your salvation as a fact and not a feeling. I want you to enjoy what you have and who you belong to. Now, what I want to do here is is talk now out of both sides of my mouth, seemingly. Okay? You have 336A, and now we come to 336B. All right? But we come to our second reality. The first reality is to rejoice in the fact that your salvation is a fact and not a feeling. At the same time, I want you to understand that some people are naive about salvation or the assurance of salvation. That's our second reality. And a lot of times this has to do with the deficiency in terms of understanding the gospel. And, we, and, and sometimes we hear people engage in God talk. They, they believe in God. And we say, okay, they're Christians. They're believers. Sometimes I hesitate to use the word or ask the question, well, is this person a believer? You know, so-and-so's in the hospital. Were they a believer? Well, yeah, they believe in God. Now, that's not what I mean. Are they a born-again Christian? You know, a believer is a born-again Christian, but sometimes when we speak the Christianese, sometimes when we use Christian terminology, we open ourselves up. And then there are some people who just want to wish their loved one into the kingdom of heaven. But what we see here in John 3.36 is something we don't want to be naive about. And what does John 3.36 be? What does the second half of that verse say? The first half says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. And the second half says, there's like an invisible but there, but whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Now, why, are, why is that there? It's there to remind us of the fact that anybody can claim to be anything. And sometimes we can deceive ourselves into believing we're something that we're not. And so it's a word of caution. It's a word of care And it's there because God loves us and he wants us to be clear on things. Now let me tell you what this verse is not talking about, the second half. Because people see that, okay, whoever has faith in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son will not see life. It's not talking about works salvation. It's not talking about being good enough to get into heaven. But you see, the facts versus feelings thing cuts two ways. It's a fact that if you put your faith in Christ that you have eternal life. And it's a fact that if your life is characteristically one of disobedience and rebellion, that you haven't put your faith in Christ and you won't see life, you won't see the kingdom of heaven, you won't get anywhere near it because the wrath of God is still on you because you're not his child. And this isn't self-contradictory here. What's going on here is that there are times where we deceive ourselves. We want someone we love, we want to believe that they're a Christian when they're not. You know, a lot of times in this world of easy, easy believism, you, you know, you get down there with your child as a parent and say, "You love daddy? You love mommy? Well, mommy and daddy love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? You know, can you? Do you love dinosaurs? Can you fly? I mean, you know, a child will do or say anything you want them to. And then we walk away and we get them baptized when they're six, and then we're like, great, they're saved. And then they go on to live a life absent God. And we keep clinging to this profession of faith they made when they were 6 years old or 4 years old or 10 years old or 12 years old or 15 years old. And there is no indication of spiritual life. They, li- they, they live their lives as if God doesn't exist and as if they don't care. Which brings us to the, the language here of this verse. But whoever does not obey the Son will not see life. The word obey here, in some translations it says the one who rejects or the one who does not believe. The word obey here is a Greek word, and it's apatheon, okay? And, you know, when you put all the, you know, the um, inflection in there, you miss how to spell it. You would spell it in English, A-P-A-T-H-E-O-N. And what word is bound up in there somewhere? Apathy, all right? So the one who has faith is assured of their salvation, and the one that is apathetic and uninterested and disinterested and absent God will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. There's an old saying, you are saved by faith alone, but saving faith is never lonely. James puts it this way, faith without works is dead. It's not that works save, it's that when you are saved, you begin to, sh- to change, to look differently. Uh, and that's what's going on here. Jesus puts it this way in Luke six forty six. And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? He puts it this way in John fourteen fifteen and John fourteen twenty three. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Those who have truly experienced the grace of God, those who have surrendered to Christ, those who have surrendered their whole person to Christ, will begin to live out and manifest and demonstrate a love for God. But if they are characterized by disobedience, apathy, disinterest, and uninvolvement in the things of God, then whatever they profess back there, you know, sometimes people do things in desperation to get themselves out of a jam. Sometimes people do things because they don't understand it, but somebody asked them to. When I was 12 years old, somebody asked me to pray a prayer, which I did, because when you ask a little boy, do you want to go to hell? Most of them don't raise their hand and say yes. So I prayed a prayer. I had no idea what I was doing. And I lived my life for about a year or two because I went to a Christian school, outwardly moral but inwardly unchanged. And then when I changed schools and eventually went off to the University of Georgia, which is not known for its spirituality, who I was became very obvious. I remember dealing with a family in a previous church. Their son made a profession of faith. They rushed him into baptism. And then after that, he just lived a life, (laughs) of just willful disobedience. And the father kept saying, well, you know, he's just going through a phase. Well, sin is not a phase. You know, sin is a condition. Eventually, he went to prison. Eventually, he denied the faith. And his postings on Facebook, uh, if they don't border on the obscene or just basically obscene and blasphemous. So, I want to say to you parents, you know, keep presenting the gospel to your children. We started our kids out, I mean, the moment they could understand I was talking about Jesus. Terry was talking about Jesus. We were singing songs. We were saying things to them. We were trying to indoctrinate them and brainwash them toward the kingdom. You know, you labor like it depends on you, and you sleep like it depends on God. But, you know, at the same time, don't take it for granted. We must not be naive. People are filled, churches are filled with people. That's why Jesus, with people who are outwardly religious, but they have had no inward change that's why jesus says this not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven on that day many will say to me lord lord did we not prophesy in your name did we not cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name and then i will declare to them i never knew you depart from me you workers of lawlessness now workers of lawlessness is not a happy job title okay but these people who were outwardly religious but they did not they weren't characterized by obedience. I'm not talking about sinless perfection, but they weren't characterized. Apparently, they did stuff for God, but there was something not right with them in their heart. When you're right with God, when you have put your faith in God, when your salvation is assured, you're different. Second Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things are becoming new. If you're saved if you're born again, it should show. And the person who is disinterested, disobedient, and largely unchanged is likely unsaved. That doesn't mean that seeds haven't been planted. It doesn't mean that seeds won't be watered. And it doesn't mean there won't be a harvest. But let's not be naive. Just praying a magical prayer or God talk doesn't make a Christian. It doesn't matter when they were baptized or how many times they were baptized. If they haven't put their faith, that they haven't surrendered their will, if they haven't given their heart to Jesus, then their salvation is not assured. It's not just believing a set of facts. So be careful. Don't be naive. Let's not be naive about someone's alleged Christianity when their eternity is at stake.